so you have to find like kind of a hub for where those people might gather right and that's usually going to be someplace that you're going to have to go in order to do the thing um and if it's an activity i say that you know if it's like math you know you just go to a math class um <laughs> but you know if it's an, like an activity there's always going to be like a hub for people to gather Welcome to another episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof Team. My name is Nelson Fernandez, your host. And today we're joined by one of our managers, Stephen Shoti. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Had a busy day, but I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking to you. Uh, you know? Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you also. And for everyone listening here today, we're going to be covering a topic from a book by Kevin Johnson, The Entrepreneur of Mind. And today's topic is spend the majority of your time with people smarter than you. So Stephen, kicking off today's episode, I'm going to begin off as a quote. It goes, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When you hear this, what do you think about? So I kind of take that as, you know, if you are constantly around people who aren't at your intellectual level, you aren't going to be challenged, right? You're never going to push your limits, push the boundaries of what you know. Whereas if you talk with a lot of people who are maybe smarter than you in whatever field you're trying to talk about, then you're going to be able to challenge their thoughts, their opinions, what they know, and you're going to be able to absorb what they know, and they can impart more wisdom onto you. Cool. Taking that last word you're talking about, about absorbing something from someone else, that reminds me of a mechanical engineering test for materials, the hardness test. And basically in this test, you can, a material can only scratch or make a mark on a material that's less hard. So then taking in context of this code, it comes into mind that something like diamond something precious, something valuable, you can only scratch anything less hard. So if you're a copper, you can only feel and show what's being done by someone harder, or in this case, maybe someone smarter. So do you feel that the average person or people in general, they feel intimidated by being around people particularly smart in a subject of field? Oh, I definitely think it can be intimidating. I mean, I've been there plenty of times. Because obviously, when you don't know as much as somebody else, you have this tendency to kind of just sit back and let them do it, you know? So say, actually, I'll just give you an example. Uh, when we were working on the last wind turbine uh, last year, we were working on the custom PCB. I learned a lot from our team member, Alex, but he also did a lot of the work because that was his field. And it was kind of intimidating to ask him those questions, you know, what does this do? What does this mean? How does this work? Because you don't want to sound stupid, you know, you don't want it to be like something that you should already know. And you're just asking it again. But at the same time, you need to feel comfortable being stupid. <laughs> and I say that in the most, uh, you know, loving and educating way, you know, you can ask as many questions as you want and, yeah, it might seem dumb to some people, but if you're not understanding, 
what's going on, it's better to ask that question. It's better to go to somebody who knows the answer and be like, hey, I don't understand this, but I really want to understand it. I really want to know. I want to learn and I want to grow. And so while people do tend to feel that intimidation, I really think that a lot of it's just fear of being judged, fear of being you know, called stupid or ignorant when the whole reason that you're trying to ask the question is because you don't know it and you just want to learn it. And I feel that ability to have that trust and <clears throat> openness to be like, hey, there's something I don't know too much about and asking the right questions and learning more about it is empowering. There's actually a matrix that I recently uncovered and it's a knowledge against consciousness matrix. <clears throat> so in these four quadrants, essentially it's different topics where you're super knowledgeable about, super conscious that you know about it or about the field. And then there's topics where you're knowledgeable, but you're not too sure about like what's going on in the field. And then topics are, <clears throat> you're not knowledgeable, but you're conscious that you don't know it. And then there's topics that you're not knowledgeable and not conscious about. And the rule of thumb is if you're knowledgeable about something, good for it. Like you're, you're going to excel in there. But if you're not knowledgeable about something, the key takeaway is you want to become conscious that you don't know it. So then you can learn how to become knowledgeable about it. But if you're unconscious about what you're not knowledgeable about, it's kind of being ignorant and you really have, you'll have a harder, harder time like growing, developing and becoming better in that field. Yeah. So I mean, so mainly just like recognizing your weaknesses and where you need to improve. Exactly. Like, for example, if you're not strong in, say, um, trying to think about something off the top of my head, maybe um, calculus. Now, that's a pretty, like, well-developed field. And if you can ask the right questions, you can learn about it. It might take some time, but you'll be making developments. But if you're not conscious about, like, okay, where can I go find resources, who I can talk to, is there textbooks, um, resources I can go to? If you're not sure where it should go, then that's more of that unconscious and it'll be hard to develop. So do you feel in situations like um, how you were with electrical team the last two years, you felt, was it easy to show that you're not knowledgeable about something early on or was that something that was more built over trust developing uh so it was mainly a trust thing you know like if i'm just sitting in one of my classes i'm not understanding something odds are i'm not going to ask the question <laughs> in the middle of class i'll probably just wait and pull the professor uh aside later but in terms of the electrical team a lot of it was because i knew the team members I knew how they were going to react. I knew they weren't going to judge me. I knew that they were also there to learn and to teach. And so that gave me the confidence to say, you know, why am I holding back my questions? Why do I feel like I can't ask this? And then challenging that was then when I started asking the questions and learning more. And also, I think with the electrical team, it was about gaining the experience trying it and failing because alex didn't just hand us everything he didn't just like do it all and was like here this is yours um he made us attempt it 
and through our attempts, that's where we learned a lot because we failed a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely can agree more failing and learning from those failures. I would say it's truly not failure because you're learning from it, improving upon it. Failures are truly when you give up on something and you don't see the lessons coming out of it. So yeah. So <clears throat> think about the other side areas and groups that maybe you haven't um, had as much trust in and like in class situations. Do you have any suggestions for anyone out there on how they can maybe step out of their comfort zone and maybe build trust with others in same situations or be able to become more conscious about how to go about learning? Yeah, so in terms of like a classroom situation, uh, if you know a lot of people in the class and you're comfortable with those people, that can be a really big help. Um, personally, though, I just tend to prefer to talk to the professor one-on-one -on -one, um, because, to be honest, especially in like a university setting, people can get really annoyed if you ask a ton of questions <laughs> during the class because they just want to leave. Um, and if they want to leave and they don't want to learn, that's fine. That's up to them. But you're wa you want to learn. So there are plenty of opportunities that you can take outside the classroom to still ask your questions and you know, get that experience, get that knowledge, um, you know, office hours, tutoring, uh, and speaking to TAs, things like that uh, is what I would really recommend for, you know, a class situation. And in terms of just other teams, it really is just about building that rapport, you know, building the trust, building the friendships, because, I mean, I consider pretty much everyone on Green Roof team my friend. So, I've told my friends way more embarrassing things than I don't know how to wire or, you know, hook up the circuit. You know, they know so much about me that it, at that point, it really becomes a moot point trying to, you know, act like I'm this all knowing person. Cool. Yeah. Definitely like removing that fear of shame helps a ton, especially in team situations. So thinking about failure and the fear of shame, um, there's a quote by Albert Einstein I was taking a look at a couple weeks ago, and it kind of goes along the lines of <clears throat> him while he was a professor, he was teaching, and one day on the board he wrote down nine times one is equal to nine, next line, but nine times two is equal to 18, and he kept doing the multiples of nines, and then he got to nine times nine is 81, and then on the next line, 9 times 10 is 91. Okay. And everyone in the class, they mocked him. They fought of him because they were like, hey, 9 times 10 is 90. It's not 91. And in, in response, he said, despite answering the first nine questions correctly, no one congratulated him. Instead, when he got one wrong, everyone began laughing. And this is despite of being successful 9 out of 10 times. And taking think about on a larger picture, this means that despite being very successful, society will only notice the smallest mistakes and make fun of it. Simply don't let simple criticisms destroy your dreams. Does that resonate any bells with surrounding yourself around people smarter than you? Um <laughs> so kind of indirectly, right? Because 
you know, it just kind of goes back to that fear of being mocked, you know. But when I say surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, it's, you know, smart in the topic, but also smart in the terms of they understand how to teach and how to pass on what they know, right? Nobody who understands how to teach or pass on their knowledge is going to mock and make fun of you for doing something wrong. They'll correct you and they'll let you know that you did it wrong, but it's not going to be this kind of like jokey thing. Um, it's going to be more of, you know, matter of fact, this is where you made the mistake. This is how you correct the mistake. Do it again. Right. So I think that when you are surrounding yourself with people smarter than you, you are going to run into that a lot more where they're not going to make fun of you because from my own experience, I noticed a lot of the time people who would make fun of me for messing something up, they also didn't know how to do it or they would make a different mistake in the same section. So sometimes you run into this with people who are kind of on your level a little bit lower where they want to hide their lack of knowledge by making fun of your lack of knowledge. Like, assuming like they want to be in the same level as you are. Yeah, and it, it kind of, I don't know how I'm getting off on this tangent, but it kind of reminds me of like, you know, bullies in school, right? A lot of the time you see bullies, they're home life isn't as good or they don't have as many friends as someone so that's why they go after the person because they want to try and bring them down to the same level that they're feeling so you know making sure that you find people who aren't like that who will celebrate your wins while also making sure that they call you out on your failings yeah they hold you <clears throat> they hold you accountable they keep you to a higher standard. <clears throat> Definitely, I can see that resonating really well. Um, and coming from the book again, <clears throat> there's another passage that I pulled out, and it goes along the lines of, from the author's point of view, they make me feel inadequate, inadequate and sometimes just really stupid. But I'm okay with that because I know that I learned so much from them it's not easy to find and to develop solid relationships with smart people, especially as you grow old, but it's worth the effort. And that point he was making cor correlates really well to what you're um, going after, Stephen, of the idea of like, hey, like, I know that I'm not up to a certain level, but I'm okay with that. I'm learning a lot from these people around me. It's not easy, but we're getting and developing solid relationships. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really do think it's a lot about kind of finding that niche of people who is accepting of people at all skill levels and is willing to teach there. You know, I've I've been through leadership camps where we would put somebody in charge. They didn't know how to lead anything. You know, they'd never had a lick of leadership experience. And our mentors would kind of take them under their wing in, in a week. You know, you could all already see the improvement because, you know, you had that mentor 
Um, I know personally for me, since I started rock climbing, I've met a lot of people who have been climbing for a lot longer than me. And, you know, just watching them and, you know, posing questions and kind of asking for that advice, like, yeah, it sucks that I'm not to their level, but they're helping me get to that level because I'm asking for the help, you know? And so it really is just, you know, being content with where you are at this point. Well, I, I guess content's not the right word. Recognizing where you are, but not being content with staying there. I think that's the better way to phrase it because you always want to be improving. You always want to be growing. And the only way to do that is to ask for help. Yeah. Having that hunger, that drive to just keep pushing forward. So <clears throat> taking you and rock climbing, for example, how did you find that niche group of people? I went rock climbing every single day for three weeks. <laughs> so where did you go? Uh, local rec center we have a bouldering wall or bouldering cave and then also a high top rope wall so you know just going there talking to the employees who actually work the wall and from there i met the people who run the club here on campus and then from club i started making the friends so if there was a new area that you wanted to explore like say scuba diving how would you go find a new niche of people uh, first I would go to a coast, <laughs> you know, so you have to find like kind of a hub for where those people might gather. Right. And that's usually going to be someplace that you're going to have to go in order to do the thing. Um, and if it's an activity, I say that, you know, if it's like math, you know, you just go to a math class. Um, <laughs> but you know, if it's an, like an activity, there's always going to be like a hub for people to gather, you know? So for scuba diving, obviously if you go to a coast, there's gonna be like piers where, you know, you can rent scuba gear, right? So you can go there and sometimes they'll have classes that you can join. Um, for rock climbing, it was the rec center, rock wall. And then there's also like the Illinois Climbers Association, which I started following and, you know, kind of seeing what they were doing. And that's how I got into my competitions past weekend. So it's a lot of research into what you're doing, uh, the opportunities to do it around you. And from there kind of diving into who else is doing this, right? Awesome, cool, sweet. Thank you for sharing. Um, it's coming up towards the end of the episode. One question I have for you and everyone listening is, who are the five people you spend the most time with? Okay, Steve, I'm gonna give you a second to think about that. While I go on a rant. And the big picture about spending time with people kind of connects back towards the beginning of the episode of the people you're surrounding yourself with, you're getting the most traction with, the most contact with, and it can easily rub off. So Stephen asked me now the question, how would you describe the five, the average or the five individuals of the people you're spending the most time with? Uh... So two of them are my parents and they're just older than me. So they have all that like life experience and everything. Um, my best friend, who's also my coworker and we're very different in terms of like political ideals. So we kind of bounce each other off, bounce off each other. 
a lot there and you know we've learned and uh like grew together a lot and then two people from climbing club that i see all the time and hang out with uh who one of whom has been climbing for like two years and another one who started climbing like nine months ago so i get to see how they climb see how i climb and you know compare it there cool and i like how you put it in context um your parents help you with like experience your friend bounce off ideas on the political side and then the rock climbing side also <clears throat> do you feel like there's an area right now that you want to improve on and if you bring someone else into that circle it could help you or do you feel like right now you're pretty content and you're um feeling growth from the people you're around right now so obviously there's a ton of areas that i want to grow in and improve in um that list is by no means you know the only people that i spend time with to grow right they're just the ones who are at the top right now right so like last year it was a lot of the electrical engineering kind of group that i spent a lot of my time with and so your top five is not going to be static you know my my top two have been static because they're my parents i've known them for 22 years <laughs> but everyone else it rotates just depending on what you are super invested in at the moment and you know the other things going on in your life so yeah there's other people and groups that i'm interested in like seeing meeting and hanging out with more but i still do that they're just not as high up at the moment cool and i like how you talked about being static it's not well it's not being a static list but it can be dynamic it's changing it's constantly moving around but there's some concepts in there nice all right so <clears throat> capping today's off today's episode off Stephen, got another quote i would like your thoughts on and it goes along the lines of being an entrepreneur and being surrounded with the brightest and best minds what are your thoughts when you hear that being surrounded by the brightest and best minds um, <laughs> i mean I understand what it's saying. I feel like it's kind of generic, you know. What do you define as the brightest and best minds? You know, if I'm going to talk about electric vehicles, I'm, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to go talk to Elon Musk right now. So it's going to be brightest and best minds that are obtainable and you can have contact with, right? So in a university setting, for me, I want to learn more about cybersecurity. I'm in an ethical hacking class. I go talk to my professor because he's super knowledgeable about everything. And anything I ask him, he pretty much knows the answer to, um, so long as it's been done before. And if it hasn't been done before, he's like, try it. So you want to surround yourself with as many smart people as you can, and then build up from there as you gain the knowledge. So, it's really about growth rather than just going like, hey, Elon, let's talk about Tesla, um, because that's not really attainable. Cool. <clears throat> and I like how you broke down the generic and the vagueness of the code and put into more attainable context. 
Cool. Well, Stephen, as we come up towards the end of today's episode, do you have any final words for the audience? Just keep pushing yourself. You know, no one got better by sitting and being content with who they were. Sweet. Well, thank you again for coming on to the episode. And for everyone listening here today, if you're interested in hearing more about the Green Earth team, young entrepreneurs, take a listen to another podcast or go visit our website. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media. And remember, folks, space is capable. Thank you.